Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast, downloaded over half a million times in over 145 countries, and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. I'm your host, Tim Savage, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jill. Hello, everyone, and I'm thrilled to be here again, Tim. (laughs) In today's episode, episode 178, we are talking about luxury items on the trail. Before we get into today's episode, if you would like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, subscribe on your podcast host of choice, so it's available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review on your podcast listening service. Another way that you can support us, if you like what we do, is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. Now, whenever we go hiking, we make decisions about the equipment we carry. These gear choices can be broken into two broad categories, uh, the first being those pieces of gear that we need from a safety perspective. In other words, the necessities. And those that aren't really necessary, but we want to carry, the luxury items. Hikers will often argue over what is a necessity, so this area can be a grey one. And as an example, I rarely, if ever, use my first aid kit, but it definitely falls into the necessity list, although the items that make up my kit can vary depending on the hike. Carrying luxury items on a hike is also done for one of two reasons. The first is that carrying things through fear or lack of experience and knowledge, and then finding out by the end of the trip that they've never left your pack. And this is something that most of us have gone through, particularly when we first start out hiking. Yeah, I remember when I first started out, there was a whole stack of stuff at the bottom of the pack that was, you know, very well kept, uh, very clean, (laughs) neatly folded (laughs) and not used. (laughs) Now, the other reason is as a deliberate way of improving the quality and enjoyment of your hike. So the items in this category really could be endless. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the following luxury items uh, and the key ones that I see or have seen on the trail over the last few years. And this list is by no means exhaustive. Now, the first one I'd probably say is the most common luxury item I see on a hike is alcohol. If you're planning on carrying alcohol, lose the bottle where you can. That's just extra weight. And it's also something that can break uh, and go all through your gear and also put alcohol through all through your gear as well. When you say lose your bottle, what you mean is put it into something else that's lighter weight and, and not breakable. Yeah, so either a, a small plastic bottle uh, or a uh, uh, one of the platy preserves, which are designed to virtually fill up a, or allow, allow you to carry a, a wine's bottle's worth of alcohol all in one go. My main comment here is life is too short to drink cheap alcohol. Uh, And if you're going to take alcohol on a hike, take something that you enjoy that's reasonable quality. And if you think about it, uh, things like spirits and liqueurs uh, are more bang for your buck for the weight you're carrying. 
you know, a nip of, uh, uh, of whiskey or brandy, um, you know, is not that much. Uh, and you'll ha- have uh, that, that bit of a, a warmth at the end of the day. Yeah, when we were doing the Overland track, uh, there was a guy who um, had uh, one nip for each day in a, in a little um, container, and at the end of the day he just had a little nip of his spirit and uh, he was a very happy person um, and put, put the container away for the next day. So... <laughs> um, what, whatever you need to do, I guess, uh, to get you through, <laughs> do that. Now, the next one is a pillow. And if uh, for those non-drinkers out there, this is probably the main uh, luxury item that I see on a hike. Um, I think for most people, when they hike, um, disturbed sleeps are not uncommon. Uh, and there is a is such a thing called a first night syndrome where you struggle to get uh, a good night's sleep, particularly the first night that you're away from home. So anything you can do to improve the quality of your sleep, so good quality sleeping bag, good, good decent sleeping mat, they're probably necessities. But a pillow uh, is one of those sort of things that you either take with you or not. Now, from my perspective, if I'm going on a long-distance hike, I do not carry a pillow. I'll use my spare clothing pack, which has got my puffy jacket in there as well, and that acts as a pillow for uh, my sleeps. And I'm a little bit different, so um, I like a good pillow, uh, but I also don't fancy carrying the weight of a good pillow. So I do use um, my excess clothing as a pillow, um, but I won't use, uh, I guess, a, a, a cheaper, harder hiking pillow because I just find that so uncomfortable. So for me, if I'm going to use a hiking pillow, it needs to be a good one. And this is where we sort of change things around a bit. So as we said, on you know, long-distance hikes, we're using clothing packs. But when we're talking about shorter hikes or we're car camping and weight isn't such a critical issue – this is where we, we drag out the good quality uh, down uh, inflatable uh, pillows. Um, they're comfortable. They're, they give you a good night's sleep. Uh, they're not cheap. Um, but, you know, try to take your pillow from home. It's likely to get dirty. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those sort of things that you want to leave that for when you're at home. Yeah, you can do that when you're car camping. But, you know, I guess... If you're taking a pillow, you want it to com- compact down as well and you want it to, you know, not take up too much space and be as light as possible. That's probably our only luxury items uh, item, I think. Yeah, I think so. You're probably right there. Now, the third one that we tend to um, see most commonly and more and more regularly when we go out hiking is a chair. Uh, and I, I must admit, I spend a lot of my hikes, particularly when I'm doing long distance hike, looking for that perfect log or that perfect rock. And for me, that means that you know it wants to be at the right sort of height, uh, and preferably in partial shade or shade. Uh, even on cooler days, uh, I prefer to sit out of the sun and not sort of have to squint. Uh, but sometimes, and again, I'll use as an example here. Larapenta Trail, there's not really any logs or there's not really any uh, large rocks apart from the campsites. And if you're trying to have a seat uh, during the daytime, it becomes really hard 
to find a bit of a rock ledge that isn't covered in spinifex. Um, and you soon know about that if you sit <laughs> yeah, on spinifex. Right. Um, and this is where the hiking chairs come in handy. Now, companies like Helinox, particularly from an Australian perspective, they're the, the main suppliers of camping chairs. They produce, I think from memory, it was about 15 uh, chairs in their range. And there is a couple that fall into the, the being small enough and compact enough that they fit into a pack and not a, a huge amount of weight. Um, so recently we had the opportunity to test out the Helinox Chair Zero. Uh, and, you know, it's... I think it's about 510 grams from memory. Uh, so it's actually reasonably lightweight and reasonably comfortable and gets you up off the ground. So I think, you know, for a lot of people, you know, if you're, particularly if you're older, your legs are a bit dodgy, having that chair can make a big difference uh, to being comfortable on a hike. Yeah, or if you just don't want a dirty bottom or, you know, a wet bottom. Yeah, that 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 is true. If it's been raining uh, and you and you find a log or a rock that's the perfect, all of a sudden, you know, it's do you want to get a wet backside? And I, I've had that situation, and it's I really have to sit down and decide what do I want? Do I want to sit down or do I want to keep my pants dry? <laughs> and it's a hard choice sometimes. The next thing that we commonly see out on hikes is tablets or e-readers. Uh, now, for most people, this is so they can read books. Uh, but you know, from my perspective, because I'm blogging and producing podcasts uh, when I hike, uh, I do carry a tablet with me. Um, potentially, I could do this on a phone. Uh, but in all honesty, the software that I use isn't available for phones. And my fingers and hands are just too big to try and uh, do what I need to do on a small phone screen. Yeah, well, even the tablet is a bit tricky. I remember when you were doing Bibbleman and I was checking your posts after you were doing them, I saw that something that was just very non-PC and I almost had a heart attack and I had to log in and change it very quickly. I just thought, my God, did he mean that? And apparently you didn't. It was just those big fingers. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's... Um it's the sort of thing that, you know, you're carrying a piece of electronic. It means you need to be able to recharge it, uh, and that's either in towns or you need to carry a battery pack with you or use it only just enough that it's going to last you. I know things like the Kindles and the uh, uh, the other types of e-readers will provide a bit of backlighting so you don't need to use a torch to read, uh, and they have very long battery life. So even if you're only going to read for half an hour of light, you'll often get anything up to a couple of weeks' worth of use. Uh, so if you know, if reading uh, is important to you uh, and you feel like carrying a piece of electronic equipment, uh, an e-reader or an iPad or something along those sort of lines is a, is a good option. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a bit of a challenge to use a mobile phone, but um, when you have a mobile phone and, and, and or an iPad with you, you can uh, prolong the battery life by putting it into flight mode when you're not using it. So that often helps. And particularly if you're in remote country, you don't want it to be constantly searching for a signal. Now, the next luxury item is, is probably a bit controversial here, and that's extra clothing. Really, from a hiking perspective, you only need one set of clothing. One set of underpants, one set of pants, one pair of socks, one set of top layers. Now, when we talk about hiking tops, this is where it gets a bit more interesting. 
you tend to carry a base layer, a mid layer and a top layer or an outer layer. Uh, and that will keep you warm in just about any sort of set of circumstances. Uh, but do you really need to have a set of underpants for every day of the week on a, a seven-day hike? Do you need to have a new pair of socks for every day of the week on a hike? Uh, and you know the answer here is, in all honesty, it's up to you, but it does add extra weight and extra bulk to your pack. Now, from my perspective, um, I can... On a long distance hike, I can stay in a hotel, I've showered, I'm clean, I put on a fresh pair of clothes which I've laundered the, you know, the day before and within about an hour of me leaving a hotel or the accommodation, I stink. I, um, I was going to say, I'm not sure where you're going with this but I'm not sure we want to know. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and it's it's the sort of thing that friendly, smelling fresh as a daisy on a hike is 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 something that's really difficult to do. So well, it's okay because everyone else is smelling the same way. So you 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 sort of, you know, you, ha- you have to appreciate you get used to that. And I think you know as long as you're sort of c- cleaning yourself, um, you know, your clothing's going to get dirty. So um, lots of change of clothes is not something that that we're into. Um, we have enough to get by, um, and it's mostly underwear and socks. Um, when we were hiking Lara Pinta, there were a couple of hikers that we were just amazed at the amount of gear that they have, clothing that they had. And um, when uh, we stopped at uh, one of the caravan um, sites, they, they were doing washing. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> I don't like washing that much to want to do it when I'm hiking as well. From my perspective, when I'm doing my solo long-distance hikes, I will carry two pairs of underpants, so it allows me to wash and dry um, day in, day out. Uh, Worst case, if the weather's really bad, it might be a couple of days. Uh, And socks. Typically, I'll have a pair of socks that I'm hiking in, uh, a pair of socks that I wear to bed if it's really cold, uh, and I'll rotate those through. Um, but again, you know, you find that it doesn't matter how well you hand wash a pair of socks when you're hiking, they always tend to be not as soft and as comfortable. <laughs> a bit as crispy. The, yeah, a bit crispy. <laughs> if, 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 rather than when you put them through a washing machine with fabric softener and, and proper detergent at, you know, at home. Yeah. I mean, if you are stopping into towns and you do want to do a, um, a load of clothes, you know, you do need to think about taking your hiking clothes off and putting something else on. So that's a little bit antisocial if you, you don't think through that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, poor, poor, poor Tim has had moments where he's had to sit in his long johns um, while the clothes have, have been drying uh, because there was nothing else to put on other, other than a pair of long johns in a, on a hot summer day. Yeah. <laughs> that, it was yeah. funny. <laughs> I have learned that you know, on the Bibbulbin track hike in 2018, I took a pair of uh, uh, shorts with me. Um, you know, they were fairly lightweight, which means I could throw everything into the washing machine, wash it and dry it. Uh, and I had a, uh, 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 basically a spare uh, top and a spare uh, set of shorts that kept me covered while I was doing the wash. <laughs> But yeah, really, it, it, it really is up to you here. What you decide in this respect, not everyone's going to be the same. If you're an avid uh, gram counter and long distance hiker, you'll go light. 
if it's a shorter hike, carrying extras is fine. The choice is really yours. Now, we talked about e-readers, um, but if you're a bit more old school, uh, paper-based books. Now, I'd probably suggest here not hardcover books. Uh, probably paperbacks is probably a better option. Um, but there's a, there's a couple of advantages with books as opposed to e-readers uh, and a couple of disadvantages. The main disadvantage is that you know it's paper, you need to have some sort of light to read it. So whether this is you're reading during the daytime, which means you're, st- you're having to stop at a certain time that you have enough natural light to read, or you're using your headlight to read at nighttime, which means you may have to carry extra battery capacity to power your headlight rather than just uh, uh, not using the, uh, the headlight at nighttime at all. The bonus of a paper-based book, and again, this is probably a bit of sacrilege in some people's minds, is that you can actually read a section, tear those pages off and either burn them if you've got a fire or put them in a rubbish bin as you're going past. So your book is getting lighter and lighter as you go. Um, I must admit, I I struggle to do that with books. Uh, I tend not to read on the trail. Uh, as much as I love reading, uh, I tend not to do it when I'm hiking. Uh, typically, I'm blogging and podcasting, and that keeps me busy. Uh, and <laughs> and I, I just find that when I stop, when I sit still, I just fall asleep. <laughs> so, so reading's not an option either. Moving on to something a bit more serious here, and that's SLR cameras. Now, again, because I blog and podcast, I will take photos, and I and even when I wasn't doing that, I'm a big a big photographer. Uh, so even before we set up Australian Hiker, I used to average, and I still do average around about 800 photos a week. Um, these days, with digital cameras, um, you know, battery or storage on the uh, the little memory cards is quite easy. Um, usually, uh, I will carry a, a memory card per week, more so so I know which what 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 I'm looking at, uh, and I don't like the idea of only having one memory card just in case there's a a glitch and something fall fails or, or gets lost. You know, taking that many photos, my camera's battery life will last quite well, quite uh, for at least sort of seven to ten days on one charge. But having said that, even though I use a good quality compact camera and I still will take some photos with the phone sometimes, uh, if I'm in a situation where I want a really arty photo or a really good quality image, uh, you know, my, even though I have reasonable photographic skills, you know, I don't have the ability to get spectacular photos off a small camera or a phone. Uh, it's more luck than anything else. Um, but most of my good quality photos and my spectacular images over the years have come from uh, SLRs, not all of them. Uh, and that means if I want to carry my SLR and my full set of lenses, my camera kit is just a bit over two kilos. And that's a, a chunky amount of weight. The other issue I find with SLRs as well is um, if it's raining, you need to either have it in a protective bag or a protective cover, uh, and it's not always the easiest thing. So again, going back to the Bibbulmun track, I had the first day on the walk, 
I had winds up to gusting up to 100 kilometers an hour. I had the weight, torrential rain blowing in sideways. And if I had have had an SLR, I would not have been able to use it without a protective bag, uh, which just complicates things a bit more. Whereas my compact camera uh, that I carried with me at that stage was waterproof and didn't worry about those sort of conditions. Yeah, I remember when we, uh, in the early days of our hiking, we would carry an SLR each, which, you know, was a little bit of um, overkill, but, you know, you, you like to take different photos to the one that, ones that I take. And, um, you know, for me, I, I just gave up taking photos. Um, I, I just prefer to be um, in the moment with my head up looking around rather than my uh, head down looking through a camera, particularly a, a large camera. So, you know, that's, that's something that I have chosen not to uh, pursue. But if you're, you know, Tim would never go, never, never, ever go anywhere without a camera. So again, you know, whether it's you know, from from my perspective, my uh, little compact camera uh, is under four hundred grams in weight, uh, gets me good quality images. I'd prefer to get a good quality compact rather than a, a cheap compact. Uh, and it's amazing the difference in quality. Uh, getting something with a slightly better sensor will allow you to achieve. But again, the SLR is a, is the next level again. Now we're starting to get into the slightly less common sort of items on a trail. And uh, this next instance is a football. Now I say football here because a few years ago we went hiking with my niece and her two sons or two of her older sons. Uh, and we, to make it easy on the, the boys, uh, we carried the bulk of their gear. They both had packs. They had their wet weather gear and their coat uh, and their snacks. Uh, but otherwise, we carried everything else uh, for them between the three packs. Uh, but we discovered that when we got to camp that they had a football with them. Uh, <laughs> okay. Now, it was it was lucky that the campsite we were staying at was a large open grassy area that allowed them to kick a football, uh, but it could have so easily been one of a number of sites where a football was just not an option. And they had a ball. They loved the football. And I guess the football is a little bit of a... Um uh, a metaphor for other things. It could be a frisbee, you know, it could be a tennis ball, could be all sorts of different things that are potentially a little bit lighter um, or a little bit easier to pack. Um, but having some kind of um, activity uh, that you can do, um, you know, that's always a, you know, a nice idea and a good idea. And it's um, something that we probably never really think about, but when someone else has got it, we think it's great. <laughs> yeah, as long as somebody else is carrying yeah. <laughs> it's good to have a hike. But as I said, we go into a lot of areas where kicking a football around, you kick it, you're never going to find it again. It's either going to go off a cliff or it's going to end up in such dense bush, you're never going to find it again. Uh, choice is yours. Uh, and I know that you can get these, you know, the, the Nerf-style footballs, the foam ones, the really lightweight ones, but they're a different sort of experience. So you know, really that sort of thing is up to you. The other one which is reasonably common on a hike that we see is some sort of coffee-making um, system. Uh, now, from our perspective, or at least from my perspective, I class myself as a coffee snob. Uh, I love coffee, but I don't. Life is, is definitely too short to drink bad quality coffee. 
so in most cases, I will give up coffee on a long distance hike. Uh, and for me, that means giving up a couple of days beforehand because I do get coffee, coffee withdrawal symptoms. Uh, day and a half after I've given up coffee, I end up with a splitting headache. Uh, so I know, I've, I know now to do that a couple of days in advance of the hike just so I'm not hiking the first day with a, mm. a splitting headache. Isn't it lucky coffee's so good for you? Huh? It is. Um, yeah, but we did a review on Coffee on the Trail a while ago, uh, and you can either listen to the podcast or read the article in this. Uh, and for us, the best mechanism we came across was a Wakao Nanopresso. Uh, it produces not a great deal of coffee. It's a fairly small uh, shot that it makes is about 80... 80 well, it's a nano espresso, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that the point of it? Yeah. It is. Uh, it only produces about 80 mils of coffee, but it is really good coffee. It's a hit. It's a coffee hit. Yeah. So if you're into, what is it, the short blacks or the, the macchiatos or whatever they are, these little 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 short hits of coffee, <laughs> they, these are brilliant. So, so says the coffee snob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it does weigh around about 400 grams, and from my perspective... As much as I love coffee, it's uh, I think I'll I'll cope with tea for a, a few weeks uh, and give up the coffee while I'm hiking. There are other coffee mechanisms that you can use that are lighter and more compact, but again, it really depends on the quality of the coffee you want and what you'll cope with. Last but not least, and this is something that's it's probably newer over the last few years, and that's the smart speakers or the portable speakers. And I've seen this so commonly, more so car camping, but I have also seen it with hikers, that they carry little portable Bluetooth um, speakers that they can connect their phone through, either, either by plugging a cable in or through a Bluetooth connection, uh, and play music at the camp at the end of the night. Now, I tend to be a bit of a purist here. Um, I do carry earbuds, but that's only because uh, I am podcasting. Uh, I don't listen to podcasts when I'm hiking. I don't listen to music when I'm hiking. Uh, I prefer to be prefer the silence of nature, uh, and I don't like uh, in- interrupting anyone else's experience as well. So, yeah, so, I can't even handle people who talk loudly. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you know church voices when you're outside hiking. Church, <laughs> church voice. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, okay. So this is definitely not one for me or us um, be, because the whole point of being out there is to immerse yourself into the sights and sounds um, of the bush. So, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get the, the need for a music, um, for music or a speaker while I'm hiking. But I must admit, though, if, if, you, if this is what you want to do, no problem at all, but just take into account that if you're in a, an area where there are other hikers, they may not share the same view. Um, you know, and it's probably best to keep the speakers at a reasonable limit or a reasonable level uh, and you know, don't have them playing too late into the night. No doof, doof, doof stuff. Yeah. No doof, yeah. doof. Okay, so just as a a final thought on luxury items on the trail, really there is no limit. Um, Probably the most extreme thing I've seen on a hike, and this was an overnight hike, was on the uh, the Bibbulmun track. 
where someone had bought a portable DVD player with them. So uh, he and his girlfriend could watch a a movie at the campsite. <laughs> there wasn't much going on in their tent, apparently. <laughs> uh, well, given that it was a shared shared campsite, uh, a shared a shared hut uh, or, or shelter, and I was there as well. Really, that was their entertainment for the night. Uh, and you know, it's they kept the volume fairly low, and they didn't go too late into the night with it. So, um, and that's probably the extreme. So I've seen lots of other luxury items, and really there is no limit to what you can bring on the hike. Now, over the last few years, from my perspective, I've been attempting to lighten my pack as much as possible, Uh, and I've been replacing existing gear with lighter and more compact options, removing gear that I I know I'm not going to use, and replacing it with gear that's multi-purpose. So as I said, as an example here, my clothing pack becomes my pillow on my longer distance hikes. Now, while carrying the lightest pack possible will greatly improve your ability to hike and minimize the physical impact on your body, this comes at a cost. And what it comes down to, the trade-off is, do you want to be comfortable hiking uh, on the trail or do you want to be comfortable in camp? Uh, And I think for most hikers, the answer is going to be, uh, somewhere in between. Yeah. Uh, and I have seen people carrying ridiculous weights. And I came across one hiker uh, about five years ago. Their pack was 34 kilos. Uh, they had lots of luxury. That was There was no doubt about that. But when he took his pack off at the end of the day and he took his shirt off, there were these deep red welts on his shoulder as the weight of the pack was digging into his shoulders. So it's, you know, it's, I think that's getting excessive. And that guy did take his shirt off a lot. He did. But perhaps shouldn't have, but anyway. (laughs) And what I'd say here is ultimately the decision of what you take on a hike is up to you. And if you're willing to carry it, that's your choice. And as the saying goes, hike your own hike. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.